1: National Signing Day early period appears to be a success for just not the LSU Tigers, but the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns and the and Cowboys. What a way to start off their essentially second offseason at the helm of their programs than to put together those type of talented classes good morning welcome to rp3 and company i'm the big bald and beautiful one of course i'm joined here by miss hannah five names aka two jackets she's not wearing the two jackets today but i guarantee you there will probably be two jackets in her future tomorrow As the Arctic Blast will be coming through our part of the United States tonight. So make sure you're, you know, prepared. Make sure your pipes are wrapped. Make sure you have your heaters. Make sure you have everything that you need to have for the Arctic Blast that will be coming through later on tonight. We have a, can we go ahead and say tremendous? Let's think of something else. How about a show that's going to make you want to slap somebody? How about Fantabulous. that? Fantabulous. Yes. We got Danny Broussard on today. My man. 7.30. He's going to be ready to roll. Sun Kiss Shootout starts next week. Danny, the legendary St. Thomas Moore. Boys basketball coach will hop on with us to talk about his team's start to the season and, of course, about one of the best events in Acadiana, the Sunkiss shootout. We'll have Les East on today as well to talk Saints, preview Saturday's game against the Cleveland Browns. Also, get a little preview of tonight's game for the Pelicans versus the San Antonio Spurs. Can they snap that four-game skid? Zion Williamson put in health protocols. Yay! And then at 8.30, our old friend Jarrett Rozier will help us put a bow on National Signing Day as he gives us his thoughts on what the Tigers, Cajuns, and Cowboys all did. Of course, this is our final show of the week for the Christmas holiday. We'll be back on next Tuesday. So if you want to holler at us, now would be the time to do so. Today. Because you know what? If you call the station tomorrow, we're not going to answer because we're not going to be on the air. That's 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 a big part of it. <laughs> and if you say, hey, RP3, I'll just wait to holler at you on Monday. Guess what? We're not going to be here either. You can call. We won't be here. Hotline's always open, though. You know that. 337 706 That's 337 706 We do have a poll question of the day. We'll go ahead and unveil that as well. Every poll question of the day this week has been, of course, Christmas-themed and rightfully so. We ask you, what do you do first on Christmas Day? Do you make and eat breakfast? Do you open the presents? Do you do the stockings? Or do you turn on a Christmas parade? That's the poll question of the day. Right now, early votes, 50-50, open presents, open stockings. Ton has already chimed in, a.k.a. the Grinch. Family tradition, stockings while Dad and I cook breakfast. Now my kids and I do stockings while I cook breakfast, sometimes with Dad. Breakfast in the Parch household was never a thing on christmas day we had it but it was always after the fact because you wake up early and what we always had to do growing up was empty the stocking first you don't get to rip open the presents underneath the tree you have to do your stockings first so it's always stockings first enjoy all those goodies usually a combination of candy and small toys or whatever it may be, or, you know, coloring books or whatever. Then you can open up the presents underneath the tree. Usually do the presents from the folks before Santa. is typically how that would work. Now, the only time it didn't work that way, Is if the big gift that you asked for, the gift that you had had on your list since, you know, August to Santa, that of course your parents had a copy of, unless that was like the marquee big gift, then that was always left for last. So if you got a bicycle, or in my case, if you got, you know, Masters of Universe Castle Grayskull playset, that big boy's left for last. You build up to it, right? You build up to the marquee gift. Like in a Christmas story, he gets the BB gun at the end of opening all the presents. So it all depends on what your my folks did. If the big present that I really, 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 really wanted was either going to come from them or going to come from Santa, that, no matter what, was always the last gift. Put in the back or maybe hidden and not even out underneath the tree. Until you get all the other stuff, and it's like, oh, there's one more present. Just like the dad does in Christmas Story with the BB gun. Chime in whenever you'd like to, Jackets.
2: I didn't want to, like, interrupt you. I'm sorry. <laughs> just chilling over here waiting. So, my my stepmom, so, you know, I am from two households. Love, love the time. So, at my stepmom's house, she would always make cinnamon rolls, was all we had for breakfast was cinnamon rolls, and then she'd make eggs. So, cinnamon rolls are already in the oven, that's when you know you could wake up, because cinnamon rolls were already in the oven already, and she started making eggs for everybody else to eat during a while though so that happened. And then, we always got our stockings at the end, but we did presents first. But, at my mom's house, after my stepdad's accident, we were told, you know, Jesus only gets three gifts, so why should you get any more? Because we were also on a bit of a budget because well okay. yeah. yeah yeah so we had three but your your main present would always be unwrapped to where you could see it and then surrounding t- it would be your two presents the other two presents would be next to it wrapped but everything in your stocking would also be wrapped So mom could get around of giving us only three presents so she would wrap everything in the stocking so you got three actual presents that were like from santa santa got you a big gift that's unwrapped two on the floor and then you would get everything in your stocking was wrapped. There you go. Bang, bang. Breakfast, I don't know.
1: Did you just do bang, bang? Yeah. There we go. I'm not not for sure if Santa does bang, bang, but we'll we'll go with it. Um, Yeah, I mean, we would cook breakfast. A lot of times it would just be something simple, like uh, biscuits or, you know, crescent rolls or something like that right or cinnamon rolls or something like that something that can just be put in the oven and it comes out while you're doing your thing with stockings and doing your thing with uh you know under the tree and then before you could eat it was always take all the wrapping paper that you ripped off your presents and you're responsible for putting them in trash bags and then that has to be cleaned up before we do anything <laughs> before you can even play with your toys the wrapping paper is going to be bagged up so either dad can burn it or we just put it in the trash can.
2: i already had like a, a trash has already sitting on the couch. You just had to go and one of, us, one of us had to open the trash bag and then you would do it as your opening presents. <laughs> there was no waiting to the end to pick up the uh, mess. It, 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 it was a constant. We were just throwing it in. It was like between him and I, my brother and I, we would just throw it in there.
1: Just throw it in there.
2: Yeah. The other one was in the middle because there was four of us at the other house.
1: There's uh, photographic evidence of yours truly as a child. I would sometimes ignore what was in the box or what the present was if I could play with the box or I got distracted by bows. Like I'm like two or three, I just, I take all the bows off the presents. I put them on, on, like an empty cardboard box and they're like, no, your gifts over here. And I'm like, I'm good. I have my imagination. I'm good. Thanks though. <laughs> you know, and you brought up something I hadn't thought about in years and I, I, I we don't do it in our household is wrapping the gifts you put in the stocking. Now, when I was a yeah. kid, that was done that way. Um, I mean, some people do it and some people don't. But that is, um, that is interesting. But yeah, in my household, it was always you got to do the stocking first. Got to oh, do yeah. the stocking first. Uh, because the instinct of the, of the child is to just run right underneath the tree and just go nuts, right? Just get after it.
2: Oh, we weren't even allowed just to pull the, the, the presents out either. You had to, like, there was already set up to where all the presents were underneath the tree, and we had to separate our presents first. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then we open them after that. When my siblings
1: were with us for Christmas or something like that, yeah, that's how that would usually be done is we definitely would be like, okay, everyone would be like, okay, my parents would be like, okay, now get the presents out from underneath the tree and make piles and put yourself by your pile, mm-hmm. right, right? And then when everyone has their piles and sits down and mom and dad have a cup of coffee, then it's time to open up the presents. That way one of the parents can get the camera out and take pictures and everything like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you separate it. You know, which is funny about that, I, we do that in our house because obviously there's like usually like one or two gifts. My wife, we usually regulate our gifts to one gift to each other. So we'll give each other one gift and then Hattie will get us a gift each, right? And we help her out, obviously. Yeah. So we have those, and then there's her gifts, and then we have like my brother sent in, uh, my brother, his wife, and and their son sent Hattie a gift in the mail, so that'll get wrapped and put under the tree from from them. Um, her godmother, uh, her Nini from Alaska will send something, so that'll get so. So, you know, obviously the kid always has the bigger one, So, and then obviously Santa will have his gifts, which of course are wrapped in a different wrapping paper.
2: Obviously, yeah. yeah,
1: Obviously, because, you know, Santa and his elves, um, you know, they have their own wrapping paper. That's not the same, by the way, not the same.
2: Santa gets his own wrapping paper, and then my mom having four kids, each kid had their own wrapping paper, so you knew which one was which. Nice. So, if my mom forgot to put a tag on it, she at least knew it was wrapped in the Just right wrapping put, paper.
1: Forgot to put a tag <laughs> on it. Uh.
2: Yeah. I mean, my, my parents right now, they're, <clears throat> my mom's mainly, they're all so excited because I'm like, you know, they're like, I have a grandson now. Like, I'm like, yes, yes, you have a grandson now. Now, the you imagine be 14 when you had them? Yes. So, they're all excited. So, I have <clears throat> a present for Kenneth son, Dale. From his Lolly and Pops, because my mom said she wants to be called Lolly and Pops because she's going to get dum-dums. I said, okay, whatever. I have a Yaya, my stepmom. She gave a present. And then my stepdad and his wife, Amy, they gave him a present. So now I have like four presents at my house waiting to bring to him. Yes. I'm excited.
1: And you got to make sure to take turns and all that oh, good yeah. jazz and all that stuff. But yeah, that's our poll question of the day. <laughs> Lolly?
2: Yes, okay. because no, her- no, no, no,
1: that's i I just I just wanted to make sure I heard that right, yeah. no, no, just shout out to Lolly, we'll, yeah. get, we'll give lolly some love, lolly, love, there we go, <laughs> bold question of the day, <laughs> what do you? What do you do first on Christmas Day? There needs to be a podcast about your family and all the components of it. It would be
2: fantastic.
1: Honestly, there needs to be a podcast. What do you do first on Christmas Day? 56% of you say open presents. 33% say stockings. 11% say turn on the Christmas parade. 0% for making eat breakfast. B-Rad says turn on the TV, put on TBS where 24 hours of a Christmas story is in progress. Make some coffee, then open presents. We are a big also Christmas movie household. So usually on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, it's a wonderful life. I will just put it in the DVD player. So that'll be playing. It's it's usually a rotation of it's a wonderful life, National Lampoons Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, and then the classic stop motion. Old school cartoons like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, and The Grinch, right? So it's usually a rotation of that. Now, because our daughter is her age, my favorite Christmas movie cannot be played during this time. My favorite adult movie, which is Scrooged. So I'll watch that at night (laughs) with Tina. I'll I'll watch that at night. But yes, there's always going to be something Christmas on or Christmas music.
2: Oh, so. it's always Christmas Day Parade is always on at both houses. Immediately is turned on in the background while breakfast meeting made and opening presents.
1: There you go. So keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. What do you do first on Christmas Day? we got to take a timeout. But when we return, we're going to start diving into National Signing Day. We'll start off with the LSU Tigers. Ooh. They had a good class, and most of them are early enrollees as well. We'll dive into what Brian Kelly was able to do on National Signing Day. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.
0: Helpful holiday tip number 60. Debating whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie or not is pointless. Die Hard is awesome. So go ahead and sit back and watch John McClain kick butt. This helpful holiday tip is brought to you by your family at the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
3: Yeah, I think I think first of all getting to know the families and the individuals so much better. Um, you know, I I think I I think there were a couple of uh, the freshmen last year that, you know, I, I didn't even get a chance to meet the parents until they came on campus, you know, when they dropped their sons off. And that's not the way to recruit, obviously. But it was what it was. Um, th- this recruiting has been great in a sense that they've been over my home. I've been in their home. They've been on campus several times. So you get, you get an, a connection. And that, for me, in a recruiting standpoint, is that I'm going to know their son and be able to take care of their son. And uh, and that's what they want. So when, when we're talking about these players, um, could they transfer? Sure. But, but you feel so much more confident that you've made the right choices and they've made the right choices, that LSU is the right place for them, and they're not here under um, false pretenses or uh, a quick sell uh, or that you're selling a used car to them, that you're really selling – Uh, the right vision for them as to why they're here.
1: LSU head football coach Brian Kelly speaking to the media yesterday following their haul for National Signing Day. 2023 class, well, they got a good number. They still anticipate possibly getting a few more, but the 2023 class features more than 20 players and the thing about what Kelly and his staff did this time around is that the majority of them are going to be early enrollees, 15 of them, in fact. And if you remember last year, LSU only had five prospects early. But this year's class, with a ton of key players, we won't go through all of them here, but wide receiver Jalen Brown, huge get huge get. Tight end Mac Markway. We talked about tight end being an issue for this team in the recruiting process. They said we got this. We got this. And defensive end Deshaun Womack is one that really kind of keep an eye out on. Womack is really a big deal for LSU and getting him on campus early is a big deal because as you know B.J. ojalari and Ali Gay are moving on to the NFL. So you need some pass rushers. And if you can get this kid on campus early, beef him up, have him go through spring football, he can be a contributor for LSU in 2023 as a true freshman. That's a huge deal. Not to mention, we know that Brian Kelly is not done. Yes, getting five-star edge rusher Deshaun Womack is huge. It's huge. And this is a kid that put up big numbers against one of the nation's toughest high school schedules. That said, he's not going to be done. We know how masterful he dealt with the transfer portal once he took over. Remember, Kelly takes over, misses the early signing period, takes over, and has to go to the NCAA transfer portal. Takes over a program that Had to start a wide receiver at quarterback. Had less than 50 scholarship players. So he had to go to the transfer portal. He got a lot of high school kids in this class. That's great. But you know good and well that he's not done. Not done. And they're going to add more guys via the transfer portal. And he talked about when those guys are end up going to be announced
3: as i mentioned these are freshmen uh players that that we're excited about developing in the classroom in our community and certainly on our football field uh on friday we will list um uh, a number of players that we've uh recruited out of the transfer portal we won't do that today this is to me this is about our freshmen uh and this is their day uh they've earned it uh we'll we'll talk about um those that we've added uh, through the transfer portal, which we had a need there as well, uh, and that will be um, that will be on Friday.
1: So we'll have more news tomorrow. For a guy that was routinely dubbed as someone that wouldn't be able to recruit in the South and recruit Louisiana, hey, he's doing a pretty good job, huh? Doing a pretty good job recruiting down here in Louisiana. Yeah. And he's made fun of for the dancing and all that other stuff. Hey, you know what? Whatever he's doing works because he understands how to recruit high school kids and he understands how to get guys out of the portal. And this is the world we live in. And Brian Kelly has made that adjustment. And, once again, a very good recruiting class. Majority of the guys are from Louisiana. Majority of the guys are from the SEC footprint. And he talked about how excited he is that so many of their guys are from the state of Louisiana and from the SEC footprint.
3: The 25 that we've signed, we are super excited about. And I know, personally, I've gotten a chance to spend a lot of time with each one of them. Um, And, again, as I said earlier, uh, and have said consistently since I've taken the job, we've got to pull our base. And, uh, you know, 10 of them are from the state of Louisiana. Um, they're also um, part of a, a very talented uh, group of players from this state. I think uh, when, we, when we look at it, I think uh, of the top players, uh, I think uh, eight of them uh, are, are, you know, top 15 players here in the state of Louisiana. And we stayed in an SEC footprint for the most part. You know, 21 of the 25 signees are from SEC, uh, from the SEC footprint. We did move nationally because of our brand recognition. We're in Maryland, Minnesota, Nevada, and Ohio. But, again, this is an SEC footprint.
1: But I was told he wasn't going to be able to recruit. That's what I was told. What did I say? what did I say? We got hired and people were livid and said, this guy's not going to fit. He doesn't understand the culture. He's overrated. I said, look, this guy's won everywhere he's been. He's won national championships in the D2 level. He's won big games and led programs to great success in the group of five level. And he was able to win consistently at Notre Dame, which is one of the more difficult places to recruit and coach at. Stanford is another one of those schools as well. It's immensely difficult because of the academic requirements. When you're coaching at those schools, as much as we get tired of hearing about Notre Dame and how overrated they are and how they haven't been relevant and everything, and and all all those points are true, But you're recruiting in a restricted manner. And if you can recruit and still win 10 games, 11 games, 12 games, get into the college football playoff at Notre Dame, what do you think is going to happen when you don't have those restrictions? He can coach and he can recruit. There you go. That's all you really need the guy to do in Baton Rouge. Heck, His two predecessors didn't even really know how to coach. They knew how to motivate. Not necessarily X's and O's coaches. Brian Kelly's going to do just fine. Just fine. 25 in the books for the Tigers. They're going to be adding more via the transfer portal. That'll be announced tomorrow. But a good class, Louisiana-centric, SEC-centric, hey man majority of the class came in the sec footprint imagine that gotta take a timeout brian kelly and the lsu tigers weren't the only ones to have one heck of a day on national signing day coach dez and the louisiana raging cajuns put together themselves a heck of a class as well we'll talk about that and hear from coach dez next right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
0: Helpful holiday tip number 48. Before you light a roaring holiday fire, make sure the flue is open. Having your house filled with smoke and the fire department dropping by is not cheerful. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Lafayette Marble and Granite, you know, they offer the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadiana, and they appreciate the opportunity to earn your business. And look, They really do that. Chris and his team over there, look, they did the renovation project for our master bathroom, and they did a tremendous job. Yes, look, they have the largest selection of materials. Make no bones about that. Actually had the marble in stock that my wife was dreaming of. Couldn't find it at multiple other places. They had it. But it was the customer service that really stood out to me. And they took care of us and helped us make our bathroom renovation a reality. Now, look, they're offering, though, more than just show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, your bathrooms, and your man caves. LMG also has an extensive selection of custom shower builds with their new grout-free shower line. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com, to learn more about All the sensational services and the tremendous products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit LMGElite.com. That's LMGElite.com. Or stop by their renovated showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford in the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette Marble and Granite. They're looking to earn your business. And trust me, earn it, they will. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. What is the first thing you do on Christmas morning? Is it make and eat breakfast? Is it open the presents? Is it stockings or is it turn on the Christmas parade? 60% of you say open presents. 27% say stockings. 7% say make and eat breakfast. 6% say yawn. No, 6% say turn on the Christmas parade. Mr. Green, a.k.a. Jamie on Twitter, says, My mom was Lolly and my dad is Pops. We always fix hot cocoa, the real stuff, open stockings, cook glazed cinnamon buns, eat then presents, then the cussing while putting the big presents together while the kids watch the Muppet Christmas Carol. That sounds delightful. Shout out to Jamie. Shout out to Jamie. Keep those comments coming. We want to hear from you. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. LSU, 25 in the books for National Signing Day. Great class, Louisiana-centric, SEC-centric. And they'll be adding a couple more via the old transfer portal tomorrow. That's what Brian Kelly told us yesterday. Well, they weren't the only program to have a great National Signing Day. Coach Dez and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, man, whoo, completing really their first full year on the job. Remember, he was hired to coach in the bowl game. So now we're nearing a one-year anniversary for Coach Dez. And they brought in 21 players. They were very busy early on. As soon as the clock turned to seven o'clock, all those offers and those announcements started coming in for Coach Dez. It was a blitz of Cajun commitments. Here's the interesting thing. And Coach Dez has kind of hinted at this throughout his time as the head man. They brought in 21 players yesterday. 19 of them are high schoolers. Not the NCAA transfer portal. Not junior college. That's very much, I feel like, a Coach Dez thing. Like, I feel like the way to continue keeping the standard at UL the way it's been is by getting guys from high school and developing those guys. And I think coach Des has that mentality. And I think you're seeing it with this recruiting class. Look, they lost guys that are declaring for the NFL draft a year ago. When Billy Napier left to go to Florida, they lost Osiris Torrance and Montreal Johnson to Florida, two of their players. They lost another one to TCU. They lost another one to LSU, two to LSU. So, He could go into the transfer portal, but I don't think Coach Dez is a big transfer portal guy. I I think he likes likes doing it the traditional way, recruiting the kid in high school, getting them to come, and then they develop them from that point. And for a group of five school, it probably makes a little bit more sense to do that because if you're taking a chance on a kid from a group of five school, maybe they're going to be more loyal to you and not transfer out in a couple of years. But then if they turn out to be really good players, then they enter the transfer portal because that's what you can do these days. But to defend that interesting, 19 of them being high school prospects, they did add two junior college players. Now, SMU transfer linebacker Trey Fight has also joined the team, but he's not going to be part of the signing class because if you join a team via the NCAA transfer portal, it's not part of a signing class. Now, the schools put out Hey, he's committed, he signed. That's great, but it's not technically part of a signing class because they're just simply transferring. A little bit of a a, a difference there with that. And you look at it, great recruiting class for Coach Dez. Once again, they they fought to get to 6 wins, right? Just to get to bowl eligibility. So, you know to be able to put together this class even with a season where you only won 6 games that's a great a great accomplishment safety Cody Jackson is one of those guys that's in this class that really really kind of stands out right he's from Shreveport played his high school ball at Evangel 6 foot 2 180 pounds this is a kid that could do some big time damage and kind of anchor things on the back end of the Cajun's defense and Coach Dez, you know, talked about getting Cody Jackson to be a Cajun.
4: Cody Jackson is a two sport athlete up here in Shreveport at Evangel. Uh, you know, he's a guy, he's one of those guys, you know, we talk about all the time. We don't care who else offers, we don't care who has offered, who hasn't offered. Um, uh, we watched him and on and on Cody's tape. He plays some offense, he's got return ability. Uh, he plays man coverage on defense at safety, which is hard to find on high school tape, but he does it. He plays the middle of the field. He runs the alley. He strikes. He tackles. He makes plays on the ball. Um, he's a really good baseball player. His center field background, I think, shows up tracking the ball down. And then we got to see him actually at the 7-on-7 seven seven camp because, Cody plays a lot, like I said, he plays a lot of baseball. So all summer he's doing the baseball thing. He doesn't run track, so he didn't have verified times. But we had 60 times from his baseball showcases, which were all really good. Um, we get to see him go out there and compete in person and move around. And again, you know, six foot, 6'1, six one, 185 high school, another young guy, um, you know, just going to be 18, I think, uh, in the summer. Uh, another young kid that you just see physically his maturity and you see him developing physically as you go.
1: DB was a point of emphasis, d- defense in general. All uh, <clears throat> Excuse me, all three levels. Pass rush, linebacker, and DBs were a priority during this recruiting cycle, as was offensive line and wide receiver, by the way. When you look at the complete list, and of course you can do so by going to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com, we have National Signing Day stories on LSU, UL, and McNeese there for you to digest and comb over. But another guy that they got from the state of Louisiana, from North Louisiana, by the way, poaching another kid in essentially Louisiana Tech's backyard. And getting them to come south. <laughs> also, U. L. Monroe's footprint shows a good sign because not only do you have La Tech recruit that area heavily, U. L. M. Also, don't forget Arkansas State comes down to that part of Louisiana as well. They're getting guys in the Shreveport area to come to Lafayette. That's a big deal. And another one of those guys is Jeremiah Moses, six foot. 175, three-star prospect from 247 Sports. And Dez talked about what Moses and all the DBs they have in this class, what they're going to do.
4: Really excited about these young guys. Um, so these are two guys. You know, Jeremiah is a guy that he plays at Bell Chase. Um, and on his high school tape, you watch him and he's really, really smooth and he's really athletic. They didn't play the man. You know um, his junior year in particular, and so it's kind of like, well, you know, you just don't see him play any man. Well, we get the guy over here early on. I mean, he's got a phenomenal family. They come over, and we sit down and like right there, it's like, okay, these this this kid's a great kid. He's really athletic. He's got track times that we've got from these camps and stuff that he's been to that are verified. So he's big, he's long, he runs well. We just haven't seen it, and so we were really honest with him. Say, listen, man, like the only thing we want to see you do is cover, play a little bit of man, see you do it, and. Um, so he's, you know, he said, "When's the first camp?" So we're like, "Well, it's you know June whatever fourth, I think it was." He shows up June the fourth to come over to camp and, and earn an offer, and he did. And we offered him that day, and um, he committed to us in the summer. And he's been great ever since. Jeremiah will be a midyear enrollee. Um, he's wrapped up all of his schoolwork at Bell Chase, um, and he's a guy that we're really excited about. You know, that corner room, you're losing Eric, but you've got some really good older guys behind him. Uh, you know, you add Jeremiah to the mix with you know some of the guys we signed last year with Dubose and those other guys that you say, well, this is the way that you see it going, right? They kind of move up the pecking order as time goes on. But Jeremiah is a kid that I think physically can come in here and play early.
1: So once again, early enrollees. This is we we don't talk about this enough, but it matters. You know, I, I go back and I think at LSU with Derek Stingley Jr. He enrolled early, went through that spring, and then was a huge factor as a freshman for the national title team. It, it, it matters because you get the guys in-house, you get them as part of your weight program, they learn the playbook, they learn you know, their coaches, how they need to be coached, they develop chemistry with their their fellow players. It makes a difference. It does. It makes a huge difference. Another thing that stands out to me about this class. I talked about it, man. They put an emphasis on pass catchers. Harvey Broussard, of course, is the local kid, the wide receiver out of St. Martinville, six foot three, 175 pounds, three star by two, four, seven sports, you know, 94th top 100 wide receiver in the country. He decides to stay committed to the Louisiana raging Cajuns. You're adding Broussard. You're adding tight end Ty Stamey out of Spring, Texas. You're adding Tavon Smith out of Hattiesburg. He's the Juco wide receiver. You're adding A.J. Jaroy. He's out of Texas, a high school wide receiver. You're adding K. Darius Wade out of Jackson. They made sure to put an emphasis on wide receiver and on tight ends, adding Caden Jensen as well, the big fellow tight end out of Flower Mound, Texas. So they lose Jefferson – they lose another one to the transfer portal, but they know what they're doing. Don't forget, Coach Des has coached the wide receivers and recruited the wide receivers before, too. And the Titans, before he became head coach. So, great class for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They still have a couple spots left open that they're going to fill maybe through the transfer portal or maybe with some high school guys during the traditional period in February. we got to take a timeout. When we return... I Menees Cowboys. Oh man, they had themselves a day as well. We'll talk about it next right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. That was a good day for LSU. It was a good day for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns on National Signing Day early period. But for the first time in a long time, it was a really good day for the Menees Cowboys. Typically, Early signing periods regulated for Power Five conferences, even Group of Five teams. FCS teams? Not really. Well, McNeese said, not so fast. Gary Goff put together an early signing period class that features, wait for it, 14 mid-year transfers, 10 high school signees, a total of 24. Yeah, 24. Unbelievable. Six are from Louisiana out of the 24 total. He also did a nice job recruiting their footprint, which also includes Southeast Texas, Port Arthur, Beaumont, and Houston. Got guys to come in immediately, 14 mid-year transfers, which means they are going to come in immediately and help. The class breaks down, includes six defensive backs, four D linemen, four wide receivers, four offensive linemen, two running backs, two linebackers, and more importantly, not one but two quarterbacks. Gary Goff made it a priority to getting quarterback to run his offense, which is a variation of the air raid. Wasn't able to do that last year with multiple different guys playing quarterback. And they got some guys that are going to be able to help them right off the bat. Kylan Armstead, the linebacker out of Heinz Community College. John Brown Jr., the defensive lineman out of Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. David Duvall, the offensive lineman out of Northwest Mississippi Community College. These are guys that are going to come in immediately and help in a big way. Of course, Gary Goff knows that from coaching in the Division II level that you need to go JUCO to help out. But Nate Glance, the quarterback, Iowa State, and a former JUCO Player of the Year, is going to be the guy that's probably going to be running this offense, or at least they're going to look to to run the offense. Also, Charles Trey Simmons, quarterback out of Florida, is going to be in the mix as well. So great class for McNeese. They're going to add even more either in the next couple days or definitely during the traditional period in February. So Gary Goff's just getting started. We're just getting started here on RP3 and Company. Hour number one in the books, hour number two, coming up right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
0: Everything going to be all right this morning.
2: Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah
0: Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3.
1: Getting closer and closer to Christmas time around here. We'll be off tomorrow and Monday for the holiday weekend. So this is our final show of the week. And we're going to finish out strong, not to worry. Half an hour from right now, the St. Thomas Moore boys basketball coaching legend, Danny Broussard, will join us, our good friend. We're going to talk about the start to the season for his Cougars, as well as about huh, one of the best events to attend in all of Acadiana, The Sunkiss Shootout, which begins, tips off next week. There, of course, at STM. That'll be coming up less than a half hour from right now. But we've been talking a lot of National Signing Day. LSU, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and McNeese all put together classes of more than 20 players. Each one of the now soon-to-be second-year head coaches of the program's all took a different approach. Kelly got a lot of mid-season guys, hit up the hit up the likes of a lot of high school kids, made sure to keep his footprint in Louisiana and the SEC. They're going to add the transfer portals tomorrow, he said. Coach Dez went strictly high school with the exception of two JUCO guys. Stayed in their footprint that they like to do. Coach Gary Goff, in a big surprise, McNeese had more than 20 signees. Most of those are midseason guys. That means they're coming in from the JUCO ranks, which means they're coming in, they're transferring from other schools. They're going to be able to go through spring football and help Gary Goff turn things around in a hurry over in Lake Charles. So all three of them, Tigers, Cajuns, and Cowboys, all had very good days on National Signing Day as they all signed 20-plus across the board for each one of their classes, and they still have space to add more. That's the other thing about this. They can still add more, which is pretty awesome. Not going to lie to you. Now you can put your focus in on a couple of guys that maybe you missed out on, right? A couple other positions of need and go, okay, let's, let's do this, and you can do that with the transfer portal, or you can do that with the traditional signing period, which is still on the books for February. So you still have more time to kind of add to your class and beef up your recruits. We also talked about our final poll question of the week. It's all been Christmas-themed this week. Our poll question of the day is, what do you do first on Christmas Day? Do you make and eat breakfast? Do you open your presents? Do you go to the stockings? Or do you turn on the Christmas parade? 55% of you say open presents. 18% each say make and eat breakfast in stockings. And 9% say turn on the old Christmas parade. Darren, number one raging Cajun fan of RP3 and company, says, Hopefully wake up. <laughs> Trust me. If you have kids, you're going to get woke up. Just know. That's how that works. Who'd have forever says wake up as well. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. What do you do first on Christmas Day? Leave your votes. Cast your votes, rather, but leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy. Since school is out for Christmas, we're going to call him Jamie. Sometimes we'll call him Mr. Green. The man who bleeds NSU Demon Colors, which I guess are what, purple and orange and something else? I'm not really for sure. Jamie, good morning. Merry Christmas.
5: Good morning. Merry Christmas. It's purple, orange, and white. And, uh, yeah, I don't know where they got orange from, but it is what it is, I suppose.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, bud. All right, bud, what do you do for your Christmas tradition? What's Christmas Day, Christmas morning, rather, like in the Green household? How's it go down? Well,
5: you know, ever since uh, ever since I had kids, uh, my dad and I, you know, we, we stay up the night before to put together presents and wrap and stuff like that. And uh, so traditionally, uh, very first thing on Christmas Day, because it blends in from Christmas Eve night, is we're usually watching, uh, we're usually watching Die Hard, uh, because it is a Christmas movie, or not? We're not going to argue about that. It's uh, a great movie! And we can watch John McClane kick butt.
1: That's right, Jamie. That's right. Even though, <laughs> even though Bruce Willis has actually came out and said that it's not a Christmas movie, but how ah, does I'm, he know he's an actor?
6: No, <laughs>
5: <laughs> but, no. But we we usually we're watching a movie. Usually, it is Die Hard, actually, and. Uh, putting together the presents, and then uh, usually all day Christmas Day, and I don't know that we're going to do it this year, but usually all day Christmas Day is a battle between me and my dad for the worst Christmas joke or worst Christmas pun. Oh, there Because he'd is. always just try to get mom to, to groan or whatever. So, you know, things like, why did, uh, did Sansville help her? Uh, why was he down in the, down in the dumps? Because he suffered from low self esteem. You know, bad jokes like that. <laughs>
1: Oh, outstanding. Outstanding brother. Well, look, man, appreciate the phone call. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Hope you have a tremendous uh, holiday weekend, brother. Get you some rest and enjoy the time with the family.
5: Thank you. You guys have a great, uh, a great holiday as well. My love to Hattie and, and Miss Tina and, uh, Ms. Five Names. Merry Christmas to you and yours. And, uh, being, being an instant mom is going to be kind of weird, I'm sure. But I guess you've been dealing with that for a while. So, Merry Christmas to you and yours. I hope you all have a great and uh, fabulous holiday season.
1: Thank you, brother. Thank you. You know, it's going to be a jam-packed weekend as well, right, for a lot of us. Five Names and I come from what we call uh, multiple families <laughs> is how that works. So, you know, for, for me, with – my old man passing years ago and I still have my cousins in mobile. So we usually don't see them until like around Mardi Gras time. So I don't have to worry about that responsibility, but what, how's it going to boil down is Christmas Eve. We'll go to church for Christmas Eve service. I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading the scripture passage and the call to worship. Hattie serving as acolyte for Christmas Eve service. So when we get done with that, then we'll go to my mom's and celebrate, have, uh, eat there, mom's cooking, and then we'll open up some presents from my mom on Christmas Eve. Then we'll go home, probably have some hot cocoa, watch a movie, and then Christmas morning will be for us is what we'll do. Open up presents, the whole nine yards, and then we'll go have lunch at my in-laws tina's dad and we'll go to their house have a christmas day gumbo and then christmas day night we'll go visit her mom at the nursing home so everyone will have christmas celebration together but you know you have to do the same thing you have to you have to go to Go to multiple places and everything like that.
2: They come around to where this past Sunday, my grandmother already has, you know, she has four kids and 10 grandchildren. So we have already established, she will always have for Christmas another day instead of Christmas Day because she has, you know, all the in-laws. So we did Christmas already with my grandma and most of my cousins. My mom included that in that for me and Kenneth because we're going to Florida this year. So after here, once I leave around noon, hopefully, we're going to head over to the Pensacola. So it's still going to be cold on there. Don't <laughs> worry. It's still gonna be like 30 degrees over there all weekend. Love it. But and you'll
1: have the wind coming off the gulf
2: constantly. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> you
1: better bring your two jackets.
2: Yes, I will. I, have, I love have all the jackets. Though. I love Pensacola. I love Pensacola. So we'll do Christmas with his family for Christmas, and then I'm coming back on January 8th to do Christmas with my stepmom and my dad at my dad's mom's house
1: is that your way of saying that you're going to need some time off that weekend you can't do anything is that what you're telling me now
2: yeah <laughs> and also guess what best update of the world guess what came in yesterday
1: uh, w- w- what what came in yesterday <laughs> tell me please
2: my wedding dress
1: out outstanding outstanding so
2: i'm going to pick that up and try it on oh that man so. when's when's the wedding again april 15th oh, text day
1: i can't i can't wait to get to the point where we're not folding in your wedding
2: no, we <laughs> you're impending
1: nuptials somehow find a way into this show constantly
2: well i called my mom and she didn't answer me and it was like her she had like a work voicemail so i talked to her like i was like a customer and a client to her and her voicemail i've yet to get a reply on that voicemail
1: con- con- congratulations and i hope you and your mom figure out your differences about yeah. her not answering Uh, Your phone call. I'm
2: the first born. Obviously, I'm more important than work.
1: There there it is. There it is. Keep those votes coming on the poll question of the day. (laughs) Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout. when we come back. We're going to talk a little New Orleans Saints football. That's right. They're gearing up to take on the Cleveland Browns up in Cleveland on Saturday. We'll talk about it next. That's coming up right here on rp3 and company you're listening to the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana sports station and your home for the lsu tigers and the houston astros
0: helpful holiday tip number one remember to actually leave milk and cookies for santa and not some hipster healthy option the big fella is holly and jolly for a reason this helpful holiday tip Brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: All right, you chipmunks, ready to sing your song? Oh,
0: there we are. Yeah. Let's sing
1: it now. Okay, Simon.
0: Okay.
1: Okay, Theodore.
0: Okay.
1: Okay, Alvin. Alvin. Alvin! Oh, man, if you love listening to Christmas music, and we've been doing it all week, then you need to check out the Louisiana Christmas Channel. That's right. You can listen to all your favorite Christmas classics or even some of your local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. It's nonstop Christmas music 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at LAChristmasChannel.com. That's LAChristmasChannel.com. Or, you know what? Just download the free mobile app. doesn't matter if you have an Apple device or an Android device. Both of them have the free mobile app that you can download. That way you can listen to the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can also listen to it. Guess what? Wait for it. You ready? Up on your Amazon Alexa. Yes! Let's go. Let's go. You love Christmas music? Then you need to check out Louisiana Christmas Channel. Get your holiday cheer on with the Louisiana Christmas Channel today. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What's the first thing you do on Christmas morning? Is it eat or cook breakfast? Is it deal with the stockings? Is it open the presents? Or is it maybe you watch the Christmas parade? Go vote and then leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Last night, had some action on the hardwood. Both the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the Meanies Cowboys went to the state of Texas. Both of them played top 25 ranked opponents. And both of them came back home with lopsided defeats. McNeese played at number three, Houston. Roberts Berzea had 13 points for the Cowboys, but that was it. Third-ranked Houston was just too powerful as they cruised to an 83-44 to win Wednesday night. McNeese falls to 3-10 on the season. Houston was led in scoring by Javi Francis with 23 points and 13 rebounds while Emmanuel Sharp had 18 and Marcus Sasser had 17. The Cougars also dominated the glass in this ballgame 43-22 to in the 83-44 win over McNeese. The Raging Cajuns men's basketball team, which entered last night's game at Texas with only one loss, And that was on the road to Drake, a team that took down a top 25 ranked team just a few days ago. But the Raging Cajuns were no match for number seven ranked Texas. Longhorns led by Iterio Morris, who came off the bench, the freshman for Texas, as he scored a career high 25 points to lead five players in double figures for the Longhorns as Texas rolled to a 100-72 win over the Louisiana Raging Cajuns Wednesday night at the Moody Center. Just no match. Too tough. You're talking about a top-10 ranked team. Despite the turmoil going around with their head coach, with all the off-the-court allegations and accusations going on there, it did not serve enough of a distraction for the Cajuns to catch the Longhorns slipping, so to speak. Brown led Louisiana, preseason player of the year, Jordan Brown, led the Raging Cajuns with 20 points and six rebounds. Jalen Dalcourt came off the bench to score 11, and freshman Chancellor White chipped in with nine points. Raging Cajun shot 43.9% from the field, and were 6 of 19 from beyond the three-point line have to do better against a quality opponent like Texas if you want to pull off the upset on the road. Now, the Cajuns will be on a lengthy break now with the Christmas holidays. That wraps up the non-conference schedule as well. When they come back, it'll be on December 29th, and they'll be at Coastal Carolina in their Sun Belt Conference opener. New Year's Eve. Meanwhile, we'll see the McNeese Cowboys return to action as they open up conference play at Lamar over in Beaumont. But it just wasn't the Cajuns and the Cowboys. The LSU Tigers played last night as well, wrapping up their non-conference slate. And Matt McMahon, in his first year at the helm, well, you know, he's trying to get things together. They've had a good start to the season as well. Haven't played a ton of tough competition. We understand that. But he's trying to take over a program, trying to reestablish a program. And one, let's be honest, that was kind of left in shambles by former coach Will Wade. He's got a mid-major roster to deal with. But that hasn't stopped him from going through the non-conference slate. 11-1. They capped it off with a win last night at the Pete Maravich Assembly Center, the PMAC. 72-68. They had their hands full against East Tennessee State. The big thing that I notice about LSU men's basketball, in the paint, that's going to be an issue for them. Whether it's defending bigger post players or just scoring and rebounding, it's something they struggle with. They don't necessarily have the massive size needed. And it's going to be interesting to see how Matt McMahon coaches his team up during conference play, which will begin for LSU as a host Arkansas on Wednesday, December the 28th. So LSU gets the win to improve to 11-1. McNeese, UL, they drop their final non-conference games on the road. Everyone will take the holidays off, and action will begin once again December 28th for LSU taking on Arkansas. Of course, you'll be able to listen to that game live right here on the game. McNeese, at Lamar, and then UL on the road at Coastal Carolina. While we have a few minutes here, before we welcome on the STM legend, Danny Broussard, let's talk a little New Orleans Saints football, shall we? Got the win, swept the dirty birds, but, man, he's just, you know, you you take one step forward, you get some good news, hey, you got to win, but then more injuries, more issues for the Saints. Cesar Ruiz, who's played extremely better. He's become, and let's be honest, probably just an average to maybe slightly above average right guard in the NFL this year under the tutelage of Doug Marone, Zach Streif, and Jari Evans. He's made big strides. He's a competent starting right guard now, but now he's injured and is out for the rest of the year. So now they got to reshuffle the offensive line for the last three games yet again. Trevor Penning, The rookie first-round draft pick out of Northern Iowa who was injured early in the year. He's slowly starting to be incorporated into the game plan. They're going to be having to count on him far more Saturday when they travel up to Cleveland to take on the Browns. He talked about how tough it is losing a guy like Caesar, especially the way he's been playing this year.
0: It's definitely hard to uh, lose a guy like Caesar down. Um, You know, he was having a great year, Um, having a guy who's been around – He's been around, what, like four years now? It's, uh, it's hard to lose a guy like that and a guy with experience and just having a good year. So
1: For Trevor, they've slowly brought him along after the injury kept him off the field. And, you know, he was asked, you know, how does he feel, first of all, mentally having to deal with the roadblock of being injured and not being out there? And also, just as important, how does he feel physically right now?
0: Physically, I feel great. I mean, it's it almost feels like my foot. It feels like nothing really happened. I mean, physically, maybe a little behind because I have not been. I wasn't doing a lot of football-related stuff. Really, it was more working on rehab. But um, yeah, it feels great. I mean, back being back out there mentally, I feel great. Um, just excited to you know keep playing football.
1: He's going to be a good player. It's it's going to maybe take a little bit more time than a lot of people would like it to take. I get all that. But you know what? Teron Armstead was a guy that took a while as well, if you remember. And he ended up being a very good left tackle for the New Orleans Saints. Now, towards the end, he got banged up and injured. But, you know, that was a small school guy that turned into a heck of a player. You know who else was a small school guy, right, that took a little while to develop? Jahari Evans. The Saints know how to do this. That's why people are like, I can't believe they've taken this offensive lineman. Well, as we've seen the last couple of years, you can't have enough quality offensive linemen. Because once one gets hurt, it has a domino effect. you got to have depth. you got to have quality from left tackle all the way over to right. You can't have a weakness across the offensive line these days. You just can't. Also news. The Saints actually have a Pro Bowl player. What? what? This team? Yes. DeMario Davis has earned All-Pro honors before, which is actually held in higher esteem than the Pro Bowl because Pro Bowl is basically fan votes. All-Pro is selected. Right? It's a little bit different. So if you're an All-Pro, that's a different level than just being a Pro Bowler. But for whatever reason, DeMario never got enough votes until this year. DeMario Davis is the only Saints player to make the Pro Bowl. Those rosters were announced last night. How funny is it that DeMario probably has his worst year as a pro for the Saints, and this is a year that he goes to the Pro Bowl? (laughs) Just, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Tyron Matthew, Adam Prentiss, and Zach Wood are among those selected as alternates. That means if someone, you know, gets injured or decides to opt out and not want to take part in the Pro Bowl, that those guys will be asked to come and fill their spots. But congratulations to, to Mario Davis for finally getting his first Pro Bowl. we got to take a timeout. When we return, Danny Broussard, the STM coaching legend, will join us. We're going to talk about the start of the season for his Cougars as well as the Kiss shootout, which tips off next week. That's coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home. Helpful holiday tip number 12. Use caution
0: when adding bourbon to your eggnog. Everyone likes a good time, but no one wants to see you have a pants down, face down in the yard good time, okay? This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: The biggest names in today's music are taking over Gulf Shores, Alabama in 2023. Hangout Music Fest returns May 19th to the 21st with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Calvin Harris, Paramore, Little Nas X, and so much more. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, has your VIP passes to Hangout Fest. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. VIP gives you access to to exclusive viewing areas, stage side pools, hot tubs, and gourmet food. You can party it up like one of the rock stars on stage. That's what the VIP treatment's going to get you. Hangout Music Fest is a beach vacation like none other. You can find out more or simply go and get your chance to enter to win those VIP passes, but you got to do so by visiting 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. First guest of our final day before the Christmas break. He's going to set the standard for the rest of today's show. We've been good so far, but it's time for us to get to greatness. The man's won more than 1,000 games. He's won more state championships than I can count. I was told there'd be no math. He's also the man that's behind one of the best events in Acadiana every single year between Christmas and New Year's. The Sun Kiss shootout, of course, is what I'm talking about. Our first guest is our good friend, the STM legend, Danny Broussard. Joins us now, Danny. Good morning to you, brother. Merry Christmas to you and your family, my friend. Hey, same to you, Raymond. You sound under the weather. Where's the energy? Where's the excitement? Uh, <laughs>
7: I, I'm not actually under the weather. I'm losing. I'm losing my voice. Ray. We had a tough game yesterday, <laughs> and so my, it's just my voice gone. I'm feeling great. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, let's start. Let's uh, let's start with about your team. Look, yeah, you yeah. are always in an interesting spot because you have your core guys that you have that you can start the season off with, but usually have two to three, maybe even more guys that join you once the football season is completed. And of course, Jim Hightower's team won the state championship this yeah. year, so you didn't get your those guys until late uh Tell us a little bit about this year's team and how they've started off the season.
7: Yeah, well, RP three. What's interesting is I've only got uh, well, I have about a total of five, but uh but four of those are sophomores. I've only got one varsity player for this year that I, w- I was waiting for from Ooh. football. So it, yeah, it was kind of it was kind of different. So we really started the year off ca- kind of in full speed. um uh, Nick Beckwith is, is the kid we picked up though, and he's he's a good addition to our team. You know, Nick. Uh, uh, you know, he's got some size to him. He's a pretty strong kid, uh, so he can rebound and defend for us. Offensively, he's, he has a little ways to go offensively, but, but on the defensive end, he can really, you know, he's helping us a lot. So uh, he got a chance to get in some, some minutes this weekend. Uh, man, Raymond, we're off to a great start. A little, it's kind of surprising me a little bit. I, I, we have some talent, and I thought we'd be pretty good, but uh, I, I, not this early, you know, because we really had no experience. Um, Mason Guillory uh, it was our only starter back from last year. He's a point guard. Uh, and, and so, you know, and now, uh, Chad Jones got some considerable minutes last year, uh, but he did that start, you know, so we felt like, golly, we just needed to gain some experience. And, and it, it's really showed it. It's showed at times. Uh, and we've been kind of, it's funny, but not, not only up and down in certain games, but up and down in certain quarters, you know, we, we uh, we've well, a couple of times this year we've blown like fifteen point leads and we've hung on, though we've hung on. but but you know, we went from uh, the other night was a perfect example., uh, we pretty much uh, in control of the game against um against uh, Sophie B. Wright. And uh, you know, like a 15 point lead, the next thing you know, I look up and they cut it down to eight, and you know, one that went winning by five. So we 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 really going streak so far, but again, that's kind of expected because of, because of the lack of experience. But um, boy, we had a great game last night. Uh, man, it was a, it was a shootout. We couldn't stop them, but they couldn't stop us either. Uh, I think the final score for the John Curtis game was 80 to 75, and 80. 80- 80 is a lot of points for the Cougars. We, we're usually in the 60s, you know, but, uh, but we, uh, we, we, we were pretty hot. Uh, Michael Mouton really shot the ball well last night. I think he had like five threes. Um, and uh, we really got some scoring from everybody. It was, uh, it was just a really good game for us. And a team that, you know, we're going to probably see, they are in Division One like we are, and the team we're going to probably see in the playoffs. So um, we're, off to, we're 2-0 in this country. They tell we play Rumble tonight, chance to get in, in, in the finals uh, uh, tomorrow night.
1: You know, for having a young team like you do, you always like to play tough competition, especially early in the season. I I, I, I already know why you do that, because you want to test your guys and it kind of yeah. accelerate their learning curve, right? Hey, you correct, play tough correct. competition early. You're going to be better prepared when it's the end of the regular season and when we get to the playoffs. Uh, what have you seen? You know, you said you are surprised how well your team has done. Yeah, you know, well, what's the thing that you've been challenging them to get better with or get better doing here in the early part of the season, and and what and how they've responded? Yeah,
7: well. Uh, one of my concerns, a little bit, was uh, I wasn't sure defensively. You know, I, it, um, you know, it's it's just it's strange how from year to year how much it changes. RP three because last year we were more of a defensive minded team. Our defense was pretty good, but what we struggled to score. You know, um, you look back at the quarterfinal game against De La Salle, and the final score is thirty nine to thirty. You know, uh, but but again, we actually set a school record last year. RP three, and you know, it's a it's a forty, year, and, and you know, it was. Kind of impressive when you look back on it, and it's the reason why we we we, we were pretty good last year. Is that uh, we held our opponents to I, I want to say it's forty seven. The, the old record was forty eight point something, and last year it was it was a uh, forty seven point eight. Is a new school record for for points per game given up under fifty. You know, I mean we've always. You know that's kind of our goal is holding our up opponents under 50 points, and we did a great job of that last year. Of course, a lot of that had to do with the pace of the game and that we were pretty patient. You know, and that we we struggled to score though. But this year, uh, we have more more scoring opportunities. We have more scores, but I was concerned about our defense. And last night was a perfect example. I, you know, I told you we couldn't stop him, uh, Raymond. To have a little guard, and like he's, I gotta believe he's one of the best freshmen in the country. This kid can just. I mean, he just can fill it up. And so we start off in our trapping defense. And, and you know, trapping can be good for you, and it, it has been really good for us. But, Raymond, the problem is sometimes when they beat the trap and they beat the trap, trap, it does it does lead to open shots from the opponents if they do beat it. And so that happened a couple of times last night. We were trapping them, and we got a few turnovers. But, boy, when we didn't get him, he was knocking down threes, you know. And um, so at halftime we talked about it. I said, man, look, let's just go man to man. And, uh, you, know, it's, it's our, you know, I guess if you want to call it our base defense, is kind of our, 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 we call it 11, it's our 1-2-2 two, two, um, matchup zone. And that's kind of what we've been playing for years, you know. But I've always believed in man-to-man, and we always, in the early season, we always play a lot of man-to-man. Because I think you got to be a good zone team, Raymond, I think you have to play. You have to be good at man-to-man to be a good zone team. So we stress it a lot. And I tell you, last night we went strictly man-to-man in the second half. And the kid had, I want to say, I think he had 16 at half. And we only scored four in the second, in the second half. And, by the way, um, uh, we, we, our, our, I got to give our, our kid um, uh, uh, Peyton Pratt a lot of credit because, boy, Peyton locked up on him and kind of frustrated the kid, to be honest with you. And uh, he only scored four points in the second half. And, you know, it's things like that that it takes to, you know, to win some games. And uh, I'm really just proud of, of how we've been able to um, defensively get better uh, as the
1: season's gone along. You do love the defense. You do love to have your guys get after it. Uh, give me a couple guys that you got on this team that do the dirty work for you because you always find at least one or two guys that go in there, and get you the tough rebounds, play the defense. It may not yeah. show up in the box score that gets put in the newspaper, but right. it's uh, good glue guys, and you always pride yourself on having a couple of those. Who are some of the kind of unsung heroes so far this season?
7: Yeah, uh well, you know, I just mentioned Peyton Pratt and defensively, man, he's been he's like he's a locked-down guy. You know, if I if I tell him Peyton get get that kid, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna get after, it, you know, and that kid so so he's definitely been one and that last night was a prime example. Um uh, Manuel Willis has been really good for us. Uh again on the defensive end he's he's um He's very deceptive, Raymond. You know, every now and then you got a kid like that. That I guess uh, we call it money. His nicknames money, uh, but my rounds probably. Uh, I don't know, five, ten, I guess. But but uh, he he's got some leaping ability and, and I think maybe he's got some long arms you know because man we will be in he'll be getting rebounds over some six three six four guys I'm like how did he get that you know and uh, and he just and he gets steals because of it because of his, his length you know he gets a lot of steals um, and 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 then again like last time, he hit a big three for us so you know he's kind of one of those guys that kind of does some intangibles that you know like you know golly we needed that and, uh but money has been has been that kind of guy for us so far this season as well so uh you know those two guys stick out in my mind and uh um, you know, I tell you, man. Michael Mouton has been, uh, you know, I, I get on a little bit about his defense, you know, but but Raymond, you know, when he's he's, he's averaging 20 a game, so sometimes sometimes you can't try kind of say, well, all right, so he, <laughs> because he scores for us, you know, and uh, he, he's been him and Chad Jones have been our leading scores for most of the year, and so it, it and, and and Raymond, this is one thing about us this year. We've always I've always prided myself in, in in playing a lot of kids because I think you know they work hard in practice, I think they learn their roles, and they might just be in there for two minutes and do something, but uh we really do have some depth this year. Like I mean, we're playing ten dives right now in like regular you know, like we could almost go five and five. We have not not used that yet. We just kinda of sub in regular but but we are playing ten dives. Yeah. And and Nick Nick is now with Nick, now it's almost 11, you know. So, so uh, we have some good depth, and that's going to, I think, it's going to be. I think, like last night, like John Curtis's first five were tremendous. I think we kind of wore them out a little bit. We kind of ran, we, you know, the game we scored 80 points, and we kind of ran a little bit more than we normally do because I think they were getting tired, you know, and uh, it's kind of funny. But Coach West and Coach Nick on the sideline, you know, Coach West kind of recognized that he goes, Those guys are tired. Let's go, you know. And so, uh, we kind of picked up our tempo, and that was really good for us.
1: This early part of the season, before you hit district play, what's the number one thing you always want to achieve? And I know it goes beyond wins and losses. What's the number one thing you always want your team to be able to achieve before you begin district play?
7: Well, I think uh, for the most part, especially this year, is that uh, you know, you try to build team chemistry. You know, and that, that's why I love these tournaments. You know, Remy, I mean? we went to showdown on the lake, lost to Madison Prep in the finals, and it was a great tournament. We beat some really good teams. We beat the Bojers, we beat Bojers Southwood and Huntington to get to that finals. And then, and then uh, last weekend we went to a, a Newman tournament. Newman's probably got the best team in all classes. We'll talk. We'll probably put, talk real quick about them. They're coming to the Sun Shootout the team to watch they're like they're loaded uh we didn't get to play Newman though because we lost to lb landry in the We're a little disappointed it's probably out you know raymond there's there's going to be a game where you just don't perform you know and, and like sometimes it's weird but like nobody plays really good we had that game against lb landry we didn't shoot it well at all and they shot it well and uh, it was our worst loss of the year we only have two losses lb landry and madison prep but um but we we came back and won a good one against Hanville, and so we you know we we've come out uh, second in the showdown lake. We came out third in that uh, this, and this 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 time here. We're either going to come out in the top four because we're in the semifinals. So uh, the competition will be great. But I, I try to build some team chemistry, and I love the fact that. We spend some, some days together in hotel rooms. Uh, we always uh change our rooming lists so that guys, you know, not they're not they're not, they're not they're like we don't just put the four seniors together. matter of fact last week uh I told West and West we are going with this and we go going senior sophomore senior junior sophomore, so we mix that up a lot so that they can get to spend two days in a hotel room with guys that maybe they don't know that well, you know. And I just think it really builds a good bond, a good, and that's one thing we worked on this year. Is that uh, I thought we needed to to build better team chemistry, and um, and it looks like this this is really helping us out in our team chemistry. Because boy, I tell you what, for the well, probably the second or third game this year, I really saw uh, us being very unselfish and gave up shots for a better shot. And that was evident last night. Again, I thought last time we might have been our best game of the season. Uh, I think we got we're now up to eleven and two. So again, uh, we're all coming together a little sooner than I thought we would, which is you know a nice, it's a nice, nice problem to have that you're you're better early. You know, now again, you don't want to peak too early, but we certainly to have a peak. We make a lot of mistakes, but uh, the only thing, Raymond, that really, really we got to do a better job of, I think, is. Uh, we are turning it over kind of uncharacteristic. You know, I told guys, I said, guys, we blew a 15-point lead because of our turnovers. And I said, that's not, that's not a staple of what we do. You know, we work on that in practice and not turning the basketball over. And uh, we really have to work on that. We are committing, you know, too many turnovers for uh, when we get those playoffs. You know, you're going to have to cut that down. So, right now, that's really the things we're working on is cutting down our turnovers and, uh, and working on some team chemistry. Um, and that, that are the two main things.
1: More with the STM coaching legend, Danny Broussard. Because when we come back after this timeout, we're going to talk about one of the best events in Acadiana year in, year out. The Sunkiss Shootout. That tips off starting next week. Coach will help us preview that as well. That's coming up right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Uh, No need to be blue NBA fans because DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when it comes to betting on the NBA this holiday season. You know I love doing the same game parlays, the player prop options, the games inside the games. And guess what? New Orleans Pelicans going to try to get back on track tonight, taking on the San Antonio Spurs. Money line plus 290 for San Antonio, minus 350 for the Pels. The spread is 8.5 points. The game inside the game. C.J. McCollum over under, set at 24-and-a-half. Trey Jones, Trey Murphy, rather, 14-and-a-half. He's the three-point specialist. Is he going to get that? Man, if he gets hot, he can. Assist. C.J. McCollum over under, six and a half. These are the games inside the game. This is what makes it so interesting. And right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving... Louisiana NBA fans a special gift. For a limited time, you can get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in under the Promos tab, and place an eligible bet of your choice on a New Orleans game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get your money back in a free bet. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, Right now, new customers can sign up with promo code 1037GAME, that's 1037GAME, and get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and opt-in today to receive this limited-time offer only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. The SEM coaching legend, Danny Broussard, rejoins us here on RP3 Company. SunKiss shootout tips off next week, Coach What's the most challenging thing year in, year out? Is it getting the teams to be part of the tournament or is it putting together the bracket?
7: It is, it is telling people that we're full. <laughs> <laughs> RP, you won't believe this, but I won't mention the name, but I'm, I'm not lying to you. I've had three teams, three teams in the last week call and say, if this, this anybody drop out, they were looking for, they're looking for a tournament. <laughs> I like, man, and you know, what, what is kind of crazy is that this year, because it happens, it really does happen every year where, I, I don't, I don't understand. It, it's just a different climate, I guess. But like, you know, when I, if I commit to a tunnel, I'm like, I'm going. You know, we're gonna go. I mean, I'm not. And and every year we have some, now again. We when we had the COVID period, that was, you know, that was a different. We, we understood, you know, like uh, Brother Martin, was crazy. I mean, Brother Martin, three, him and his two assistant coaches, all three had COVID at the same time, and so he was even thinking about sending his football. Game. It was kind of funny because he was like, I'm thinking about sending my football coach to coach the team, and. Uh, anyway, so Brother Martin had to drop out at the la- very last minute. We wound up getting North Central to take their place. But so this year I said, you know, about a month ago, I said, you know what? I'm gonna call each one individually. Say, coach, look, I'm just making sure you're all you you're in for the sun kiss, December twenty seventh to the thirtieth. Uh, well, guess what? We 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 lost one team because he's he like, Oh uh, no, we're going to this other tournament. I said, Well, you told me you were coming hours, which great yeah, that's fine. So anyway, so we replaced them uh as a matter of fact, I said no time because we have a waiting list right now six teams that want you know would want to come in if something would happen so that seriously like uh getting the 16 teams is like the most difficult part raymond because you know we like to get new teams in you know and, and it's kind of part of the tournament we do we don't want to you know i'm not going to have the same 16 every year and so you know and i think the, for the most part the coaches understand that some of them would like to come you know and we do we have some that come you know like i mean you know you're looking at I mean, Turley, you know, Jake and I, we, we, I I'm mean, Turley's going to get invited. And if he doesn't want to come, that's fine. But, you know, he's going to come every year. And there's a few schools like that. But, again, for the most part, we've, we mix it up. And this year, just looking at the bracket, uh, we have one, two, three, four, four teams that are making. No, I take that back. I take it back. We only have three teams making their first time ever appearance in the Sunkist. Um, and that would be Bishop Ireton, which is from they're – from, they're from Virginia. Uh, and you may ask, well, how in the world is the team from Virginia coming? Well, let me tell you the tie-in tie on this one, okay? 1986, De La Salle, coached by Jimmy Tillett, came to the Sunset Shootout and won it all. And the MVP, MVP was Dwayne Bryant, who went on to play at Georgetown, had a great career with John Thompson, and this is when Georgetown was rolling. And uh, he stayed in that area, and he's now coaching. And we've developed a relationship, we kept in touch, and he, uh I told him when he was really good he wanted to come to our tournament and guess what he's coming this year, so they are our first time ever entrant from Virginia we also have um uh Newman, no not take it back. Newman has come a long time ago now, but Newman's back. They haven't come in a while. And Randy Livingston, who also played in the Sun Kiss shootout, uh and played for the Houston Rockets and L S U, he's bringing his team in and I'm telling you, Raymond, when if you if you want to watch a game on the first day on Tuesday, two o'clock is Newman against Ellender. Uh Newman is loaded. I mean they are really I think they're they're Probably the best team in the state of Louisiana in all classes. And they're in division three. Can you imagine? Um, Coach, I got to let you go, brother. I got to let
1: you go. Tell the folks quickly where they can go to get the the bracket and and all the information. I got to hit a break. Okay,
7: okay, great. Great. Hey, go to www.stmcougars.net. stmcougars.net. They can get a bracket. It starts on December 27th, Tuesday. We start at 10 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. Coming in and get to see some great high school basketball action.
1: Brother, appreciate your time. Merry Christmas, bud.
7: Same to you, 3 Have a great one, my man.
1: we got to take a timeout. Hour number three, final hour of the week. Coming up, we'll kick it off with Les East. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh,
4: yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: everything, everything
1: the final hour of today's show, the final hour of this week for us as we're taking tomorrow off for the Christmas holidays. Just one more hour. It's going to be a good one, too. Don't forget to vote on the poll question of the day. What's the first thing that you do on Christmas morning? Is it open presents? Is it check the stocking? Is it cook, eat breakfast, or is it watch the Christmas parade? What do you do first? What's your family tradition? We want to hear from you. Go vote and leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. Just make sure you keep it clean for the kids. No saltiness this week. It's Christmas for crying out loud. Also, coming up half an hour from right now, our friend Jarrett Rozier, recruiting expert, will join us to break down LSU, UL, and McNeese. All three of those programs signed 20-plus guys during the early signing period. Lots of them come from the state of Louisiana. They all stayed in their footprint primarily and a great start to their first full offseason at the helm of their programs because each one of those programs, by the way, are led by a first-year head football coach. But right now it's time for us to talk New Orleans Saints, and New Orleans Pelicans with our friend from CrescentCitySports.com, Les East. Les, good morning to you, brother. Merry Christmas to you and your family, my friend. How are you?
8: Well, thanks, Raymond. I'm doing well, and Merry Christmas to you and yours as well.
1: All right, let's start with the Pelicans because they were riding seven-game winning streak. They were top of the Western Conference standings, And then came the road trip to Utah, two games in three days, including letting that one game get through their hands in overtime. Then they lost the game against Phoenix, which was a revenge game for the Suns. And then they had no answer for Giannis. What's gone wrong in the last four games for the Pelicans?
8: Well, they played – Utah twice, Phoenix and Milwaukee. That's the first thing. Those, those are really good team. <laughs> yeah, they, they are. Played. They are. But they, uh, you know, three of those games were winnable. But the first game in Utah, they, they just, you know, didn't play well at all. I think they were a bit tired after the, the seven-game win streak. They had played a lot of games in a short period of time. But the, you know, the second game, they they had a chance to win it in regulation, didn't. Wound up going to overtime and losing. And they had a 24-point lead on Saturday night and let that get away. Couldn't stop Devin Booker. And as you mentioned, they had no answers for, for Giannis the other night. So I, I would say there have been a few things. I think number one is their defense. that They did not play great defense. And that they had some serious challenges with, with some really good players and teams. Uh, but they were also hurt by um, – giving up too many offensive rebounds on some occasions. And um, they uh, turned the ball over in some key situations as well. So they just um, did not play their best. Against some really good teams, and mostly their problems were on the defensive end. Um, you know, over the course of 82 games, you're going to have stuff like that happen periodically. I think they have a chance to uh, get some wins back here with the competition being a little bit less over these. Uh, these next few games although uh, you know they're not going to have uh, ingram and they're not going to have williamson tonight and they, they definitely won't have ingram tomorrow night and i doubt that they'll have williamson tomorrow night in oklahoma city so we'll, we'll see how they handle that but uh, i would expect them to get back on track here fairly
1: soon zion got put into health and safety protocols is that because of exposure to covid or why is that
8: You know, I I don't know exactly what happened um, there, whether it was COVID-related or or something else. We weren't aware of him uh, having any issues during the game against Milwaukee, and they didn't announce it until yesterday. Uh, so I'm not sure exactly what happened there, but uh, he's. Um, I'm expecting that he'll miss these next two games. So that's going to be uh, quite a challenge for them without their top two scorers, but they're playing the Spurs and the, uh, the Thunder, so that helps.
1: Yeah, it does help playing the lesser competition, but now you're going to have to have multiple guys step up to fill the void left by Zion and still don't have Brandon Ingram. So who's that going to be? Who's going to kind of step up and fill that void in the next few games
8: well i think number one is going to be cj mccollum he is uh you know he's had a rough start to the season he had some health issues as well did not shoot the ball well but over the last couple of weeks he's played much better offensively Uh, his three-point shot still hasn't been great but his overall offense has been much better uh, so I think he's the next guy you look to. I think, uh, you know, Jonas Valanciunas had a huge game against the Bucks the other night. I think he had 37 and 18. So certainly he'll be a big part of what they do, uh, especially tonight, I think, against the Spurs. They're going to want to throw the ball inside as much as they can. Um, and with Williamson out of there, he gives Valentinus a little more room to operate inside. And then the other thing I would expect they're going to try and do is get Trey Murphy the third back on track. Because over the last couple of weeks, he's not been at his best. He's had uh, a few moments here of late. Uh, but even when they were beating Phoenix in those two games, he was not playing his best. So I think they want to get him on track. As well, and you know, of course Jose Alvarado coming off the bench often gives them a spark. So they have a lot of weapons they can still turn to, but I think it's all going to start with CJ McCollum,
1: Brandon Ingram. I, he's been out for a while, and is this a situation where maybe it was misdiagnosed at first, the injury? Could this be more severe, or are the Pelicans just being ultra-conservative with their All-Star?
8: Well, I think part of it is being conservative because it's so early in the season. There's no point in rushing anybody back. It's a toe injury. That's something that can can linger if you bring somebody back too soon. So I think they are being cautious, and I think that's understandable. But at the same time, uh, Willie Green said yesterday it has not healed as quickly as they thought. So I think the, I don't know if the diagnosis was wrong, but I think the prognosis definitely was wrong. Uh, He's missed 11 straight games. He's going to miss at least two more with what's essentially a bruised toe. You know, we saw him on the court after practice. This was the game before the back-to-back with Phoenix. I think that might have been Detroit. It's hard to keep track of all these games. But this is, you know, about you know, 15 days ago, and he was out there getting some shots up after practice. Didn't do a lot of work. But it looked like he was maybe starting to get himself ready to return. And I thought he had probably targeted those two Phoenix games here to try and come back. And uh, now it's been almost two weeks uh, since those games were played, and he still hasn't come back. So uh, obviously it is not, he has not come around the way they had hoped or the way that I think would have been reasonable to to think based on seeing him on the court 15 days ago. So I don't know if there was a setback. No one has said that. Uh, But clearly this is not, Um, getting better at the rate that uh, they would have expected.
1: We're talking with Les East, Crescent City Sports. He covers the New Orleans Pelicans and the New Orleans Saints. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. They get a couple of what I like to call get-right games, or at least what should be get-right games. Do you anticipate, despite not having Zion, not having B.I., that Willie Green will be able to get this team to get back on track uh, in the next couple of games against the Spurs and the Thunder?
8: Well, I would think so, but and certainly without those two guys, if they don't play uh, as well as they're capable of with the rest of the guys they have, they can still lose to, to either or both of these teams. The, the, the last time they played the Spurs, they've beaten them twice in San Antonio already. The last time they played was toward the end of an 11 game losing streak for the Spurs, but they've won uh, four of six, I believe, coming into this game. They're always going to be well prepared, and they're always going to play smart and share the basketball. So the, the Spurs can take advantage if the Pelicans don't play their best. You know, we'll see about Keldon Johnson. He missed their last game. Uh, I think he's missed the last two games, actually, but it looks like he might be back tonight, which would be a big boost for the Spurs. So, And the same thing with Oklahoma City. They have a lot of young talent. They played the Pelicans really tough here uh, about a month or so ago, and the Pelicans won. So these are two games where even without the two starters, if they play uh, as they should, play good defense, share the basketball, shoot the ball well, they should win, but they're also playing two teams that will take advantage of them if they don't play their best.
1: Let's switch over to the Saints. They get the win against the Dirty Birds. They're technically not out of the playoff race, but let's be honest, they kind of are. (laughs) But, you know, they get something positive by getting the win, but then here they go, CJ Ruiz injured, out for the rest of the year, yet another injury for this team. Uh, how do they make that adjustment with having to reshuffle their offensive line yet again as they head up to Cleveland on Saturday to take on the Browns?
8: Well, it's a good question, and it's one that Dennis Allen wouldn't answer yesterday because he didn't want to give away personnel uh, possibilities. Now, he could certainly slide uh, Calvin Throckmorton into the right guard spot um, you know, we, we don't know if it doesn't look like Eric McCoy is going to be back, although they thought maybe he was getting close. that would add another piece to the equation. Um, but they also, um, you know, Alan was asked specifically about the possibility of moving James Hurst uh, into Ruiz's spot and allowing Trevor Penning to start at left tackle. And uh, that, that's the prospect that he wouldn't address because he didn't want to tip his hand to the Browns. So they do have uh, a couple of options. One is to keep it as simple as they can and just slide in somebody to replace Ruiz or move some pieces around to give themselves a chance to see what uh, Trevor Penning can do. Um, You know, He's played a little bit as essentially a third tight end, but he hasn't really played much at tackle. So that's the calculation they're going to make um, and they've probably already made it, but they're not going to share it with us. And, and you know, part of that may have to do with the, the status of Miles Garrett, the outstanding defensive lineman who's mispracticed the last two days. And I think, you know, whether or not they have to try and block him may factor into who they trust to put out there.
1: What do you make of the fact of seemingly the veterans? have been the most disappointing players this year and not the younger guys. Jawan Johnson, breakout season. Uh, Shahid, rookie undrafted wide receiver. Chris Alave, rookie wide receiver. Alonte Taylor, rookie defensive back. The younger guys on the team are the guys that are consistently stepping up and playing at a high level this season for the Saints while the vets, let's be honest, are the ones kind of dropping the ball. What do you make of that?
8: Well, it's uh, I, I think there probably could be multiple factors. One of which is uh, that the known commodity versus the unknown commodity. Teams are going to game plan to try and uh, stop, you know, depending on the position involved, to try and stop or contain the veterans that they know can hurt them, and that creates opportunities for younger players who haven't yet proven themselves and. Uh, to their credit, a lot of these young players have been up to taking advantage of the opportunity given to them. Certainly Chris Olave has been one of the top rookies in the NFL. Uh I don't think anybody knew who Rashid Shahid was going into the season and uh so they had certainly having game planned for him and they probably didn't realize just how fast he is. Lante Taylor is just a really good player who came in NFL ready. Uh, out of Tennessee so I think there have been opportunities for uh, younger players and a lot of these guys have been up to the challenge which is a credit to them but yeah one of the big problems with this team is that even though he made the Pro Bowl uh, last night I don't think Demario Davis has had quite as good a season overall as he's had in the past he does have six and a half sacks uh cam jordan has been good but he hasn't been great uh david Onyamata has not been as good on the defensive line and you know there are other positions where veterans haven't always lived up to the expectations or to their previous performances and that's part of the reason why they're in their predicament they're in now
1: defensive line the biggest disappointment on this team this season, uh, position group wise, in your opinion?
8: Well, I think probably in terms of uh, performance by people they were counting on, it probably is. I, I as groups, I don't think the offensive line or the wide receivers have done as well as they had hoped. But a lot of that's injury related. You know, losing Mike Thomas early in the season once again, Jarvis Landry being hurt. For most of the year, has uh, hamstrung the, the wide receiving core, and then offensive lines had all sorts of injuries. So that there are mitigating factors there. The defensive line, for the most part, Peyton Turner's been hurt, but for the most part, the defensive line's been pretty healthy, and it was probably thought to be the deepest and maybe best position on the team, and it just hasn't. Produced as well as you would have expected, and not a whole lot of that can be attributed to injuries.
1: We'll wrap it up with this. Les, do the Saints, for the first time this season, get back-to-back wins on Saturday when they go to Cleveland?
8: Uh, I don't think so. I, 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 they can win this game, and I think because the weather is going to be so awful. I think it comes down to turnovers are going to be even bigger than normal because uh, there are going to be fewer scoring opportunities, and they're not good at taking the ball away. They're going to have to run the ball well with Kamara and Hill, but the Browns are the fifth-best running game in the NFL. And then I think Will Lutz is going to be really important because of the weather conditions. Teams are going to stall out, and if you make your field goals, you're going to have a chance. If you miss them, it's going to be really hard. So I think those are the key players and the key factors, but I just don't think this is the type of game that they're likely to win. Also, I think the fact that Sean Watson, I believe, is now in his fourth start He's getting more comfortable. So it's a game they're capable of winning, but I'm going to guess that it's going to go the other way, and I think the weather is going to be a big part of that.
1: Brother, appreciate your time. Keep up the tremendous work that you're doing there at christiancitysports.com and elsewhere. Merry Christmas to you and your family, man. Be safe, and I hope you have a great holiday.
8: Thanks, Raymond. Merry
1: Christmas. We got to take a time out. When we return here on RP3 and Company, we'll update that poll question of the day. What do you do first thing on Christmas morning? We'll share some comments as well from Facebook and Twitter. That's coming up next right here on The Game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
6: Fable.com.
0: Helpful holiday tip number 24. Do not buy your wonderful wife a mixer or knife set or any other kitchen item. Since she puts up with you all year, she deserves jewelry, you filthy animal. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station.
1: Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. Lafayette Marble and Granite offers the largest selection of granite, quartz, and marble in Acadia. And look, and when you're dealing with Chris and his team, you're going to want to sing Christmas songs as well. Trust me on this. They did the bathroom renovation, helped out with the countertops. So impressed with not only their selection, but their customer service. We're going to use them for our kitchen remodel coming up, hopefully, this year. And look, They do more than just provide you with show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens, bathrooms, and man caves. They also have an extensive selection of custom shower builds with new grout-free showers. Make sure to visit their website, lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and tremendous products they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com. That's lmgelite.com. Or stop by their soon-to-be renovated showroom located right there on I-49 north across from Hub City, Ford, and the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. Poll question of the day. It's our final one of the week. All week, it's been Christmas-themed. We're in the Christmas spirit. You heard five names, a.k.a. two jackets, bringing out the Christmas songs and singing (laughs) through the microphone. (laughs) So we're very festive. She's very excited about going to Pensacola after she gets off work today for family Christmas holiday weekend extravaganza-a-palooza. What do you do first, though, on Christmas Day? That's our poll question of the day. Right now, 49% of you say open presents. 32% say make and eat breakfast. 14% say stockings. And only 5% of you say, turn on the Christmas parade. Ralph Bergeron says, and of course, the annual dash to the corner mini mart so that I could pay triple market price for the AA batteries that were not included. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Make sure you buy the triples and the doubles if you got little ones. If you got kids, make sure today you go out and get yourself double A's and triple A's, my friends. 100%. Trust me on this. Ralph also says, used to throw out the reindeer food, eat cookies, dispose of sour milk, leave a trail of mini candy canes to kids' room and crack open a beer. Not necessarily in that order. (laughs) JPK, the OD, says stockings. Then get ready for the real party. Make sure you RSVP. 35th anniversary Christmas party. Oh, of course. It's Die Hard. Of course it's Die Hard. The man is obsessed with Die Hard. Loves some Die Hard. We haven't really debated that um, about Die Hard because here's the thing: it's not a debate.
2: No, we did, we did this last year. Last last year, we did this time, we did this nonsense last
1: year. <laughs> Bruce it, Willis
2: it, said so. It's not a Christmas movie.
1: The man who portrays John McClane says it's not a Christmas movie. I'm going to go with the man who portrayed John McClane here.
2: Sign still delivered.
1: Once again, it's a movie that takes place during Christmas. It's not about the Christmas spirit. It's an action movie of a guy taking down terrorists. Just so happens to be during Christmas. I love, it may be the greatest action movie of all time. It's not a Christmas movie. Sorry.
2: 100%. It's
1: just not. On The Book of Face... Randy Russell says, no parades, make coffee, drink coffee, watch kids get so excited over what Santa brought them, make and eat breakfast, then finally open presents. Normally this is all done before 8 a.m. Beer and football start about 11. (laughs) (laughs) Edward Purvis says, drink coffee and then do all of the above. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Keep your comments coming as well. Leave them on Facebook and Twitter. We got to take a timeout. But when we return, National Signing Day thoughts, with our recruiting analyst, the one that we trust the most, Jarrett Rozier. We're going to break down LSU, UL, and McNeese. That's all next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros.
0: Helpful holiday tip number 36. Your precious little ones should receive a few boxes of boring clothes under the tree. Yeah, they'll surely be disappointed, but that helps build character. This helpful holiday tip brought to you by your family at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Frosty the snowman
0: was a jolly
2: happy soul.
1: NBA fans, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go to when betting on the NBA this holiday season. You get the same game parlays, the easy and fast payouts, player props. Like for tonight's Pels-Spurs game. Money line, plus 290 on Spurs, minus 350 on the Pels. Point spread's eight and a half. You look the game inside the game. All right. What about Trey Murphy? Three-point specialist. Over-under for him tonight, 14 and a half points. C.J. McCollum, 24 and a half. How would you go with that? What about assist? Another game inside the game. CJ projected six and a half over under. How would you bet that? That's what makes it so exciting. And right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving Louisiana NBA fans a very special gift. For a limited time, you can get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt in under the Promos tab, and place an eligible bet of your choice on a New Orleans game. If it doesn't hit, you'll get your money back in a free bet. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. New customers can sign up with promo code 1037GAME. That's 1037GAME. And get a no-sweat bet on every New Orleans Pelicans game this December. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app and opt in today to receive this limited-time offer. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years of age to play, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Max reward limits do apply. One free bet issued based on amount of initial losing bet. Eligibility restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com basketball terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Don't forget to vote on our poll question of the day. What do you do first thing Christmas morning? Open up presents, hit the stocking, eat cooked breakfast, or watch the parade? We want to hear from you. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. But right now it's time to bring on our final guest of today, the final guest of the week, because once again we're taking tomorrow off for the Christmas weekend. He's our recruiting analyst, the man we trust over everyone else. Jarrett Rozier joins us now. Jarrett, good morning to you, brother. Merry Christmas to you and yours, my friend. Right back at you, Ray. Appreciate it. Good to to chat, man. How are you? It's been a minute, and, buddy, yesterday it was jam-packed, busy. Just how good of a job did Brian Kelly and his staff do with the early signing period yesterday?
6: Yeah, I thought they – did a fantastic job you look at uh, 25 high school signees on wednesday um they went into the day with with 25 commitments lost a cornerback from california uh, but picked up a, a former vanderbilt committed tight end who was a you know a big athletic target from from out in fort worth and um And you add into that picture the fact that they had brought in four commitments to the transfer portal in the the previous days, Aaron Anderson, a wide receiver from Ed McCarr, and then Alabama uh, over the weekend. And then on signing day eve, three huge additions to that defensive front. That was kind of the weak spot in in the class, looking at the high school group they'd signed. They had three defensive ends committed but still needed – uh, some some bigger guys are going to be more immediately ready to play, uh, particularly in the middle of that defensive line. And so they addressed some of that through the portal on Tuesday night, and then had a, a very successful run uh, with talented guys that they, in many cases, expect to make some some pretty immediate impacts elsewhere on the field um, with those 25 high school signees Wednesday.
1: Do you think they addressed all their positions of need because they were all over the place It seemingly they attacked everything, or is there still some work to be done on a particular position group?
6: Yeah, so if, if you look at what they have added already this week um, between four portal guys and 25 high school guys, um, that's, a, that's quite a haul, particularly by traditional standards, uh, you know, prior to some of the adjustments because of the transfer portal and adjusting the number of players you can bring in in any one signing class, uh, the the old traditional cap was 25. And so you're already four over that. But Brian Kelly has made comments in recent weeks that he plans for this class to end up in the, the mid to high 30s. And so they, they're they still looking to, to add a few more pieces. Um, you know, the next place that LSU coaches and, and fans' eyes turn is a, a one thirty announcement this afternoon uh, by IMG Academy. Five-star cornerback Desmond Ricks, uh, he, he would be someone that, particularly after losing Dalen Austin to Oregon yesterday, um, they would love to add another corner that they feel like can come in and make an impact right away, given the, the guys that they're graduating from that room. But that's, that's kind of the, the one spot that stands out. And I think beyond that, you have some flexibility to, to figure out who the, the best players are and not feel as hamstrung by positions. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they, even beyond potentially adding Desmond Ricks this afternoon, if that's still a spot where they maybe find a, a good fit uh, from the transfer portal um, in that secondary, particularly you know that corner group and they'll always take more more big guys uh, up front on both sides of the line, really. Um, but but this year, with some of the losses from the defensive line uh, making their way out to the NFL, that would probably be a spot where uh, the, the Jalen Lee addition from the portal Tuesday night, uh, former Live Oak standout right outside of Baton Rouge, who had signed with Florida and been there the last – few years Uh, they expect big things from him but adding another big guy in the middle of that defensive tackle rotation along with him and uh, Makai Wingo returning would be another spot that I'd kind of keep my eyes on but I I agree with you they they were all over the place in terms of covering um, covering a lot of needs they I mentioned the Vanderbilt tight end commitment or signee they added three tight ends yesterday and so they've restocked that position that had been so thin in, in recent years, um, you know, adding three to uh, already a, re- a returning breakout freshman from from this season, Mason Taylor. That was another group that you had your eyes on in this, this signing class, but they addressed that one as well. And I think they're in, in a good spot here uh, with Brian Kelly's first full recruiting cycle uh, now coming to a fruition.
1: We're talking with Jarrett Rozier, he covers high school recruiting for Tiger Details and other outlets. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. The young man out of Florida, uh, multiple reports came out yesterday. LSU had signed him. It was a done deal. Others said Alabama was going to sign him. Others said they were both fighting for him. Uh, Does it come down to those two schools? And how how confident do you feel that he's going to remain a Tiger, which it appeared that he was always going to be?
6: Yeah, I think LSU has has felt good on Ricks for a while um, and continue to do so heading into his ultimate decision day. It's another Alabama LSU battle with some, you know, kind of home state Florida twist. He's, he's been playing some high school ball down there in Bradenton, Florida uh, with IMG Academy. I know uh, Billy Napier and company with the Gators have, have been involved in his recruitment as well. But I think he's someone that, that LSU has, kind of increasingly again been viewed as as the team to beat and obviously you never know for sure until the the pen hits the paper and it all gets sent in and we've seen in recent years sometimes there's there's even somehow continued drama after that point but I think if you're an LSU fan you wake up feeling feeling confident about Desmond Ricks uh, ending up as a member of this purple and gold class and he would certainly, if they do hang on to him, be a really nice addition at, at a position where uh, it, it had, after losing Dalen Austin yesterday, become kind of a top of mind priority. Um, but with people feeling okay about having to lose a Dalen Austin because there was a confidence level and adding dozen Ricks today.
1: Let's switch over to the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. They were aggressive. They got after it early. A lot of their commitments came in. They had more than twenty as well. Only a couple of JUCOs. The majority of Coach Dez's real first full class was high schools, uh, high school players. What'd you make of what Coach Dez and his staff did with the Raging Cajuns yesterday, Jarrett?
6: Yeah, replenishing that uh, you know that that program with with some young talent. Nineteen of of twenty two of yesterday's signees coming from the high school ranks, and uh, I, I thought some, some really good additions. I, I was also kind of chuckling a little bit when Dez announced 10 o'clock or so yesterday morning because of, of how well they were doing getting all those signatures in in the morning. He announced that they were excited to add the 21 the twenty one young men to the to the program, and then right there close to home in St. Martinville, Harvey Broussard surprised a lot of folks in the afternoon, and so Dez had to come back and add a little 22 with an asterisk because of that nice addition to that receiving core a little bit later in the day. I, I thought that was a fantastic way to to cap things out. He was their fourth receiver from the day overall and someone that I've been really high on throughout his recruiting process. He really just, in the last couple of years, started to focus more on football. And I think the strides you've seen from uh, that, that long, lean-bodied receiver slash basketball player a couple of years ago, Uh, The strides you've seen as a complete football player and watching him get out there as a blocker on the perimeter and all those things has made me really intrigued about his long-term potential as he gets into a college strength and conditioning program. Uh, The the two running backs are guys I'm very familiar with, uh, two high school running backs from here in Louisiana. Javion Haynes from Woodlawn Baton Rouge, where I've been teaching this year. He's actually in one of my athletic marketing classes. He's got track speed, uh, someone that that they jumped on early and were able to to hold off as some other programs came into the mix. He's someone else that I think as he gets to the college level uh, has a lot of untapped ceiling um, once he gets into a college program. And then Elijah Davis from Riverside, super productive running back from Riverside uh, that I think is, is going to kind of fit that, that mold of really productive in-state running backs that have come through Lafayette in recent years. Uh, and another one of my guys that I've seen as, as much as anyone um, that I, I think is going to be a little bit of a steal is Micah Johnson from Parkview Baptist in Baton Rouge. He's someone that burst onto the scene as a young wide receiver, just a, a big kid that could run like a deer, um, and I think was about six two when I first saw him as a freshman and stayed about that but bulked up as six two, two thirty, flipped to the other side of the ball, uh, kind of gradually during junior year and then full time as a senior and then up being a district M V P as a linebacker on defense as a senior as he's still kind of getting a full feel for the position. And so that's someone that I think um among a a really impressive class overall. I look to make some big strides over the next couple of years um, and, and be a big part of that program.
1: We'll wrap it up with this. Typically, since the creation of this early signing period five years ago, Jared, it's usually the period where FBS schools, in particular Power Five programs, get the majority of their guys. Typically, the FCS level is left out in the cold and they have to wait for the traditional period in February. But Gary Goff... Over at McNeese, he got himself twenty plus guys. More than half of those kids are going to be midseason additions, which means they're transferring in, are going to be ready for spring football. What'd you make of what Golf did with the Cowboys yesterday?
6: Yeah, as, as much as we look at the notability of that that young surge from from LSU and and UL's classes, uh, Gary Goff and company tried to. Find some some more veteran pieces to plug in there immediately with 14 transfers and 10 high school guys. So another really nice haul overall, but just a, a little bit more of a, a veteran feel to their group um, with with some some JUCO guys and some transfer portal some other transfer portal guys. Um, I'm certainly more familiar with some of the the 10 high school guys, particularly the six from in state that the Cowboys signed and. I actually had a high school coach in the Baton Rouge area last night uh, ask me some about the McNeese State staff because he was impressed with the job that they were doing, finding some, some gems in, in Baton Rouge, uh, you know, another Woodlawn high guy, Mark Fielder, defensive tackle, 6'2", 270 that I think is one of the, uh, the, the brightest and hardest working kids that I've seen. Um, he's someone that I think is going to fit in really well there and, and work his way into uh, an impact role on that defensive front. A big Scotlandville offensive lineman, a former Houston commit, Jamal Franklin Jr., 6'7", 270, a, a huge kid that moves well uh, at that size, has has pretty good feet that I think has an opportunity to, to fit in really well on that offensive line. Uh, and then, you know, there's a couple other guys in Baton Rouge, Carlos Sanders, uh, a two-way lineman from Southern Lab, Cody Smith, I thought an underrated corner from Zachary Hyde, but, but right there in Lake Charles, Jamal, Jamal Levy, uh, Jamal Levi, the record-setting receiver from Barb. Uh, I know some of the, you know, the the success of Barb's program wasn't the same as when Trey Quinn was going through there. Some of the competition wasn't necessarily the same. But if you're breaking Trey Quinn records, that says quite a bit of your productivity week in and week out. And so, Jamal, a 5'7", 150 speedster, uh, they have listed as a, a sub-4'4", 40-yard four, four, dash, and a guy that can catch the ball, go up and get it over bigger guys, is someone I'm really excited to see get that opportunity to put on for his
1: hometown. Jared, appreciate your time. As always, brother, Merry Christmas. Be safe out there during your travels, bud, and enjoy your weekend.
6: You got it, man. Merry Christmas to y'all, and you know, happy holidays. Talk to y'all soon.
1: We can take our final time out of today's show, wrap it up, and get you set up for Kevin Foote and footnotes. That's all coming up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, in your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.
5: And and and
1: I want to take a moment to thank our guest, STM boys basketball coach Danny Broussard, christencitysports.com's Les Sent. Tiger Details recruiting analyst Jarrett Rozier for joining us here on this Thursday edition of RP3 and Company. Our final poll question of the week. What do you do first on Christmas Day? 46% of you say open presents. 33% say make and cook breakfast. 13% say hit them stockings. And 8% say turn on the Christmas parade. Whew, that's going to do it for us. For the producer extraordinaire, Miss Hannah, five names. I'm Raymond Parch the Third. We'll be off tomorrow. We'll be off Monday. You guys be safe. Be kind to one another this holiday weekend. Merry Christmas to you and your family. I hope it is a tremendous one. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros.